This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your host, Jason Pufal. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufal. Today, joined by two special guest stars uh, who are experts in E-Rate. Uh, we've got Joe Pillow from E-Rate First and Owen Black uh, from Vancord. Uh, guys, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So, E-Rate's clearly, E-Rate obviously has been around for a long time. And, and you know, Vancord has... I think a variety of clients that have taken advantage of the program to to fund some of their you know infrastructure or bandwidth related activities, but I'm confident there are a lot of people who just aren't familiar with the program, aren't really familiar with you know, kind of what benefits it might have for their business and where they might be able to use it. So uh, we're, we brought Joe on today uh, to speak a little bit to. Uh, sort of an overview, an overview of you know what is what is E rate. I'm sure you could probably talk for a long time, Joe. But maybe if we can you know spend a few minutes on uh, you know that sort of executive summary for folks to give people a perspective. Excellent, excellent. Yes, um, it's one of those things. I don't want to bore you guys with this with the the you know nitty gritty every little detail about this. But it was put in place by the Clinton administration, signed into law uh, based on the Telecommunications Act of 1996. And it was to provide telecommunications to schools and libraries nationally. That was part of that law. And it's actually called the Schools and Libraries Program of the Universal Service Fund. It's better known as the E-Rate. So that's where we are now. It's the largest tech funding source nationally um, for schools and libraries. It's about $4 billion now. It's, it's tied to inflation uh, index per year. And it's, um, it's not a tax. It's a public pass-through. So that's a big thing. You actually pay... Um, the telecommunication providers, your cell provider, if you look at your bill, you pay a fee, a dollar a month, everyone does, you'll see a USF charge. And that goes into the big pool that all schools and libraries get back funding. And um, so this funding is a reimbursement program. So they get back 20 to 90% of their eligible cost. And this will be tied to their poverty levels. Uh, usually schools use their free and reduced lunch figures, or they do an assessment. But most schools usually get 40% super high need inner city will get 90% back. Um, there's two types of service, one being category one, and you got to think of it as um, internet access and infrastructure, it's transport to um, the building. So that's category one, the cost associated with that transport of internet and the internet cost, that's, that's that piece. The category two is internal connections, manage internal broadband services, and basic maintenance. And that's the equipment, delivering that access from the building to the end user, the student, staff, whatever it may be. And so that's the eligibility. And this goes through an application process, various forms, and it's based on bidding. So that's a quick 101 of just the basic of E-Rate. It's, hey, it's a great thing. It was to expand internet out west where they did not have connections. They were on <clears> dial-up. It was to increase that to get high-speed, really, T1 networks back in the day, uh, to get off dial-up, get on T1, and to subsidize those build-outs for those um, different vendors to get out there and put in fiber and connect those last kind of mile locations uh, really out west where it wasn't connected. So uh, maybe a couple of questions come to mind for me. Uh, is it specifically for 
education? Like, for example, is it for state local government at all, or is it purely, you know, say K through 12 or high schools? Great question. Uh, It depends on the state, but it's mostly K through 12. In the state of Connecticut, juvenile justice, Head Start, and early pre-K if it's a nonprofit is eligible. Okay. Uh, and you, I think you had mentioned, you know, say internet connectivity, uh, and then, you know, say associated costs for the in, say in building equipment. Can you be a little more specific about the types of things that this would cover? Yeah. So, um, the, obviously internet comes into the building at a DMARC. Uh, you got to go to a firewall, the firewalls eligible cabling, um, any drops, routers, switches, wireless access points, any uh, internal controllers, um, racks and UPSs. That's kind of the base stuff that's eligible under category two, the actual physical equipment, or if it's cloud-based, that's also eligible that way too. Okay. Um, and here's a term that I'm not really familiar with, and maybe maybe you're already batting it around, but I know that you know MIBS or MIBS is one of the, is, is kind of one of the acronyms that is prevalent in E-rate. Can you describe what that means? Uh, that's really the growth. The, the, it's, it's been added recently, last couple of years. It's managed internal broadband service. Um, a lot of smaller schools and in, in, in libraries don't have the staffing to hire someone, put them on staff to manage a lot of this stuff, or they need um, specialty, um, someone experts in like uh, that specific product. So you could actually hire a company, and there's really three ways of doing it. Um, you could uh, say the entity, the school, we always call them entities uh, or library is an entity, right? They, they own the equipment and they need someone to manage it, to, to replace it, to fix it, to configure it, whatever it may be, that would be fall under MIBS. They, or they may say, Hey, let's purchase new equipment that would be eligible also. And then the third cat, uh, part would be, um, if they, uh, lease the equipment, full service lease, managed service, uh, to a third party to put it in, you know, manage it, maintain it. And after the leases end, uh, they actually would take it back or replace it with a, with a new set of equipment. So, so really MIBS is a, is an acronym that simply describes everything that you outlined in your executive summary, essentially, right? The, 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 the broadband capabilities, the, the infrastructure piece, and then the management. Yeah. Any managed service. So like if you're managing a firewall, you can manage a switch. It could be, you know, the wireless access points. It could be the cabling. All those can get managed by a third party and those costs can be offset by the E-rate. So for right now that a lot of schools don't know this, but they're paying someone a third party and they're, Hey, it's X dollars a month for this. And they don't realize they they can get an E-rate rated through the program and get whatever discount they get back on that cost. So then really, if if somebody's currently paying a, a managed service provider or maybe a, a security provider of some sort, uh, is there any negative to applying for E-rate funds for that? Because if you're already paying, you might have just the added benefit of getting some reimbursement as part of that rather than starting from scratch and not knowing exactly what you're getting back. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 difficult because in the application cycle, there's not a difference of filing a $200 application and $2 million application. So that goes back to the staffing thing. Who on the staff is going to go through the process of being able to like, hey, we know we have eligible costs. I heard I can get it e-rateable. How do I go about getting that funded so I can get the money back 
on that stuff I'm already paying for. This is a great way, you know, if they educate themselves, they learn about the program a little bit, or if they hire a consultant that they could go about, you know, getting that return on that stuff that they already pay for. Um, so, Owen, oh, I know that you have a variety of, of clients that have taken advantage of E-rate. Um, out, out of curiosity, has it been primarily for you know, equipment purchases? Has it been for the management piece? Yeah, you know, lease. You, is is there any trend that you see in in terms of the, the interest or the direction people like to go with this? Well, interestingly enough, uh, Vancourt started you know about twenty years ago and and building and supporting networks and. Uh, probably have a very, I don't know what the percentage is in terms of K-12 practice, but it's significant um, within the, within the organization and exactly what Joe describes um, we can supply equipment to and support. And um, as, as the company has matured, so has, so have our offerings. Okay. So what use we can provide, we can provide the bandwidth if needed from almost any carrier. We can provide the equipment um, that uh, the network equipment, but we kind of like to stay with the, with the companies that we've chosen to represent um, and install and use. And, uh, and along those lines, we've had success with equipment and we've just started having success in terms of the MIBS piece supporting them, even though we've been doing support contracts outside of this hmm, for 10 plus years. So um, as, as the company has matured, so have our offerings and quite honestly, so have our clients, because what Joe says, it, it, it's an amazing, E-Rate is an amazing tool. And there are also a lot of people on both sides, customers and suppliers like ourselves, trying to play in that arena. So it is, it, it's, it is a, uh, an interesting decision as to how you approach your customer set. Oh, and it's also um, based on budgeting. A lot of the business, you know, you have the technology department and then the the business department, right? The financials, they like that fixed cost a lot of times that's then E-rate eligible. So they're not hit with the, hey, I got to buy equipment every three to seven years because then it throws off the budget. You know, tech department goes to them and says, hey, I need seven new switches. That could be a huge cost that they were not anticipating in their budget. So by having it as a managed service, a lot of times you're able to project your budget, you'll be able to fix that budget and know that it's on the vendor a lot of times to replenish or replace that piece of equipment. So you have the state of the art equipment without having to have that, you know, upfront large scale cost or even license fees against that. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, the the uh, the van cords of the world and the E-rate firsts of the world are we, we have to kind of exist at arm's length. But the education that somebody like Joe Pillow can provide a customer only aids the efforts that we make, because many of our customers, as an example, are not familiar with the fact that they can there that they can use a mib sort of approach they think it's got to be equipment and installation and then they pay someone else to support it whether it would be internal to that you know school or whether it would be external to somebody like ourselves yeah i mean it, it's hugely compelling one of the things that we've talked about i think at least twice on the podcast has been challenges with getting you know competent or qualified 
IT and security support. So you know, a lot of a lot of K through twelves, right? Certainly, a lot of our clients in general have turned to that outsourcing model. And if they can get some of the cost defrayed through the MIBS, the MIBS portion of E rate, uh, I mean, I can see that. I can see where that'd be a hugely compelling thing for 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 a lot of these sort of you know these educational clients that we have. Um, it, it does help with the one throat to choke type of thing too. If they're putting in the equipment, they're supposed to manage it. The client, the business department is not getting the tech department is not getting a phone call on the weekends that something's not working. They don't have to run out and fix it. They have the company that's supposed to do it. Right. They're managing it, and they go out there. It's a, it's a big benefit um, when that happens. So, Joe, can you speak then for a minute? on what the process would be to apply, you know, e- either for the MIBS portion or e- or even for the yeah, hardware portion. What does the application point. look like? Yeah, it's 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 not like taxes where you file once a year, right, based on rules. You have to go through a bidding scenario. So whatever it may be, internet, you know, equipment, managed services, you've got to go out to bid. So it gets, you pl- you file a form and it goes into this EPC portal, uh, E-Rig Productivity Center, they call it. And it goes online and all vendors nationally it's all public information they can see information and they all can see it so they can respond and submit a bid based on that that uh almost pseudo rfp you can also put a formal rfp against it which we do a lot of those uh but you can post it on there vendors have a minimum of 28 days to respond to that uh uh posting and then once they that happens the entity then evaluates those bids makes the decision, signs agreements, and then files the form. The next form is actually the application. You're requesting service reimbursement on that service. So you're stating, hey, I chose this vendor, this price, this term, right? Just like anything else, that's the application. Then um, after you submit that within that window, that deadline window, you then um, you go through an audit phase defending that application. What's eligible? You know, um, Is the school eligible? The student counts, uh, identifying your budget, um, that gets approved. You then have to file a form to accept that approval. And then the last piece is really um, you then, um, once cost incurs, you file reimbursement filings to release the money. So it's you're projecting in the front end, and then based on actual, you're getting the reimbursement on the backside. And you can get set up as getting credits against your bill, or you get it as an ACH deposit into your account. For the... Uh for the entity who's reviewing the you know the the RFPs if you will yep. it, do they simply have to select the lowest bidder or can there no. are there other qualities yeah great question it's um uh you have to it's got to be the uh lowest so price has to be the primary factor but it's not the only factor so service so can factor into that yeah. So bid, on your bid assessment, you know, you have a template, a basic bid assessment. And hey, we're we're putting prices 30 percent of the of the award. Then you have maybe local vendor previously worked with, um, you know, different factors on that list uh, that you can have. And um, will they implement all different uh, uh, things on there you can have? And then, uh, you know, based on that criteria, you flush out why you chose that vendor. But price has to be that's what they audit really is to determine that, hey, did you evaluate the pricing against? each other properly, but doesn't mean that the, you know, lowest or highest bidder wins or loses the, the actual, you know, award. Uh, I think, uh, Owen, maybe you had a question. Yeah, not a question so much, just a little clarification when they, what, what, uh, what the van cords of the world are supposed to be doing during the year and during the evaluation period 
the 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 bids come out, so to speak, with the language of or equivalent or okay. So if if someone is a a Cisco shop and and you represent somebody like Ruckus, you're allowed throughout the course of the year to to try and point out the differences in the products and and to try and shift possibly that that entity's network from one equipment manufacturer to the other. The interesting piece when you get to the MIBS sort of arrangement is they're just basically asking the entity for the function to occur and for it to be properly supported. And it's, it's, uh, I think it's an, it's an interesting nuance. Yeah. They want the, obviously the whole process being, being bid on being open and fair. Right. So you're bidding stuff. All vendors can respond to you evaluate based on that. You choose what vendor makes the most sense for you uh, for that next year's application. And you have to file every year, just like taxes. Right. You have to bid it or state you already have a contract from previous year on that. So if they did sign a three or five year MIBS contract, they don't have to bid that every year. They just got to reference that original bid on the application. So that's helpful, just like Internet access contracts. Um, you're able to bypass at least that first bidding phase if you do award a multi-year contract. But the, but there is the the requirement to have an application annually, even if you have a multi-year support agreement with with a correct. A you got to point okay. back and say, hey, I'm still requesting reimbursement based on our bid last year, which is contracted for three years that we assessed properly under the original bid. So that's what you're you're posting on that. Um, so every year, no matter what what they have, they still have to you know request that reimbur that you know reimbursement for service. So I would imagine that you know for folks who, who are listening who might not have taken advantage of e rate in the past, and you've referenced taxes now a couple of times. There's probably an e rate application season. Uh, you know what what are typical dates for this? Yes, unfortunately, we're in it now. <laughs> so okay, it just started. It's um there. 470s is really the first form and that's that bidding form we're posting those now so we're going over every entity that we have that we consult for we're reviewing what they posted last year confirming with them what they what what they have is still in place or went forward with and then going over them their wish list or worst case scenario list things they need to purchase or possibly would like to purchase next year so then we we flush those out and that's part of that bid um, so we go through that and then now we're going to be bidding stuff. And like I said, it has to stay open for a minimum of 28 days um, before they can go to that next phase of, hey, this is who won the bid or, you know, assessing the bids. Perfect. Um, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward and it certainly seems that, you know, it, it's, a, it's a large pool of money. Obviously, it's available nationally, um, but, you know, there, there is a lot of money there. It clearly sounds like it's needs based. So there's probably some. You know, through the application process, right? Maybe maybe some aspect of trying to determine how much of an award you get as you're that's trying a great, to figure out. That's a great point. Um, right now, so all internet access, whatever your circuit cost and internet costs are, you're going to get that based. You, whatever the uh, discount percentage you get, you're going to get that back. That's guaranteed. You're going to get that back. You're eligible. You should expect that every year, right? And on the category two side, they have a five-year budget. And right now, it's $167 per student pre-discount budget. So, you know, if you have 10,000 students, you know, it's $176 per student, you know, if you have 10,000 students. And so that's your budget to be used in over a five-year period. You could use it all in one year, you could spread it out. You're not obligated to use any of it, um, but that's what your max uh, allocation is. Now there is a floor, a lot of smaller schools, um, 
uh, there's a floor of $25,000 pre-discount. So if you have, I think it's less than like 67 students, that school can have $25,000. And this is where like an E-Rate consultant sometimes helps is like, if you have say 10 schools, you're a pre-K or head start and you have 10 schools that only have 12 each. Well, you can identify each school as a $25,000 instead of a pool of all the students you have together. So your category two budget would be much higher, uh, the pre-discount wise. So um, it, it's a calculation. Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, any kind of parting thoughts here? Yeah. The one thing I, I'd uh, be interested to ask Joe is um, what reasons do you find that, that uh, uh, entities do not file for E-rate? Uh, difficult. They don't know how to start. They're unsure of the cost. They don't know where to turn. It's not like, you know, you can just go down the street and see like a tax accountant and see H&R Block there. And so usually, um, you know, they get it from a referral from their other, uh, you know, if they hire a consultant from their local other uh, district or school that they're, you know, friendly with. Um, but, but some, you know, if they're only getting back $1,000 and that's projected, if someone asked me, you know, we always do a free assessments and we go over and we say, hey, look, you should expect based on your cost, you're only expect $1,000. Sometimes it's not worth filing because of the time, even if internally or outsourcing it, it wouldn't be worth the effort. But once you start getting into, hey, I need equipment, I need managed service, uh, I'd like to go fiber, then you almost have to. It's it's a shame if they don't. A lot of um, private schools don't because they don't know how to go about doing it. And they're nervous that somehow the Fed's going to look at their books or something like that. So that was always a, a stopgap. But all um, K through 12 schools and libraries, 99% file. But private um, schools are eligible. So it isn't just yeah. public. Okay. If the state recognizes them as a K through 12, then they're eligible. And, and that's just what we should say with like the Catholic schools in the past, they're separate entities. So a lot of them didn't want to do it or, or they weren't driven to do it like the school districts were. And, um, but it's definitely, hey, it's a great avenue to get a, a good amount of funding. And you could actually detail out before you do it, what you should expect back. Well, well, guys, we're, we're up against our time. Uh, I, I sincerely appreciate you joining today. Uh, it sounds like there's money available. And uh, for folks who are listening who haven't taken advantage of E-Rate in the past, if you've got questions, feel free to reach out to you know, us at, at CyberSound, uh, you know, Owen Black at Vancourt, or, or Joe Pillow at uh, E-Rate First. To get additional information, uh, we can help to steer you in the right direction and hopefully uh, enable you to take advantage of some of the funds that are, that are available to you. Uh, Joe, Owen, sincerely appreciate you joining today and, and everybody. Yeah, Jason, thanks for having us. Been great. You're welcome. And I hope everybody got value out of this. I appreciate you listening. Thank you. We'd love to hear your feedback. Feel free to get in touch at Vancord on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Vancord Security. And remember, stay vigilant, stay resilient. This has been CyberSound.